Welcome back to another episode of A Gift from Adversity. My name is Julie Love. I'm your host. Thank you so much for tuning in. I have a wonderful guest tonight from Utah. Before I introduce my guest, I want to introduce my book, which is A Gift from Adversity. And it's written by me, Julie Love, and it's available on Amazon. The subtitle of A Gift from Adversity is Overcoming Sexual Abuse, Domestic Violence, Bullying, and Homelessness. I experienced all of these adversities growing up in Japan. And this book is about how I endured all my adversities and the tools that I used to overcome and also a nonprofit that I started and ran for 12 years. And it's available again on Amazon, A Gift from Adversity. After I published my book, I got a lot of fans and people who bought my book, reached out to me and told me that they are also a victim of sexual abuse or domestic violence or homelessness. I felt compelled to talk more about this topic. And this year I started A Gift from Adversity podcast. And I'm very, very humbled and grateful for all the guests who came to the show and openly, bravely discussed about the adversities, but not only that, tools that they use to overcome and also a gift that came from it. So let's invite tonight's guest. Hi, Karen. Thank you so much for coming to A Gift from Adversity today. Hi, Jory. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Great. Thank you. So can you tell our audience who you are, where you're located, and uh, what you do, and if you have a website and also social medias? Yeah. So I'm Karen Nelson. I live in northern Utah, right kind of on the mountain bench. It's beautiful, but very, very hot right now. And (laughs) I am a divorce confidence coach. So basically, I coach women who are going through a divorce and teach them how to love themselves again and how to create kind of the life that they always wanted when they were married, but they didn't quite achieve. And so I teach them how to do that in their lives. I have two amazing kids. They're actually so grown up now. I can't even barely call them kids because my daughter is 20 and my son is 17. And yeah, I just love what I do. And my website is my name, KarenNelsonCoaching.com. So it's easy to remember. And I also have a podcast of my own called Becoming You Again that is specific for divorced women to give them tools and techniques to help them as they transition out of marriage into divorced life. So the website again is KarenNelsonCoaching.com. Yes. So people can reach out to Karen um, if they are looking for some guidance. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. And let's dive into our first question, which is the adversity. So can you tell our audience, what was your adversity? Yeah, so I got married when I was 19 years old, which I grew up in Utah, and it's a very religious community. The whole state basically is a religious community. And So it's not unusual for people in Utah, women especially, to get married very young. Um, And so I got married when I was 19. My husband at the time was 22. And we were married for 20 years. And at 
20 years, we decided to get divorced and it was a huge decision for me because that relationship was basically the longest and, you know, the longest relationship I'd ever had and the most intense relationship I'd ever had. And I knew nothing different. I went from living in my parents' home to living in my marriage home. And so being a, an almost 40 year old getting divorced, having really not experienced anything else, it was a very scary transition for me. And I didn't really know <laughs> how I was going to make it work, if I was going to make it work and, you know, what was going to come after the end of my marriage. Well, thank you so much for um, sharing that. Let's go back to how young you were that you got married at 19. How was it? How how was it like being married so young and then having that as your identity? Yeah. So like I mentioned, I grew up in this religious community in the LDS church and one of the things that they kind of really instill in the girls, the women of the church, is that it's very important to become a mother and to stay at home and raise your kids, which I think is a beautiful thing. I don't think there's anything bad or wrong with that message in and of itself. However, I took it to mean that I needed to support my husband and do whatever was in my power to make him happy. And if he was happy, then I would also be happy, which basically meant as we were married, I would defer many decisions to him. I would, you know, he got to go after his goals and dreams of having the job that he always wanted. And I didn't really feel like it was something that I could do. I didn't even, I didn't even necessarily have desires to go after a specific job or career or do something outside of the home because in my head I had this idea of this is my space this is where I'm needed and wanted is to be the mother of these kids and to support my husband in in all of his endeavors which again it's great but it did become a detriment to me because I kind of forgot my own desires, my own wants and my own needs. And I put those on the back burner. And any time a thought came into my head of like, oh, maybe you should pursue this or maybe you should do this. And I would just kind of shush it and push it away like it wasn't important, which basically I started telling myself that I wasn't important enough to want to go after these things. And so, you know, living this kind of life where I'm trying to please everyone around me except for myself and putting myself on the back burner over and over and over again really takes a toll on your self-esteem. At least it did for me. And I ended up really not happy, not loving myself and telling myself that if I had an opinion or I had a desire that it was wrong and I needed to shut it down. And that doesn't do much for, you know, an individual. And it also was a struggle for me because with this idea that if my husband was happy and there was a way that I could make him happy and then he's coming home from work and he's also not happy, I'm taking that on as my responsibility and thinking that it's my fault when 
in reality, I can't make him happy and he can't make me happy. That's all, you know, something that we have to learn on our own and take on our own. And so it was a big struggle for me to see him not happy and then me trying to compensate for that and not being able to. So again, it was just piling more shame and, um, and really a hit to my self-esteem of thinking I'm not good enough to be able to take care of his emotional needs. I can't even take care of mine emotional needs. You know, where am I going? Where am I going to go from here? So it was many years of detriment to my mental and emotional self-esteem. At what point do you think you start to realize that? Oh, it was all throughout. There was a lot of moments where I would notice um, how sad I was. And and I know I understand that there, there are a lot of people probably who listen to your podcast who have anxiety and depression. And it was different than that. It was more like I wasn't allowing myself to be authentic with who I was. And I could feel that inside, but I didn't necessarily understand what it was. And so there were moments throughout, but the real awareness came uh, when we were deciding whether we were going to get divorced or not. And I had a moment of clarity where I asked myself, what do you want, Karen? And I just allowed myself, I told myself, please just say what you really want. It was like, I was almost begging myself to give give me permission to do it, to, to answer it truthfully. And I did. And I just told myself, I want a divorce. And it was like this immediate rush of peace came over me. And I just, I knew that that was like, maybe the first time in years, maybe for maybe 20, I don't really know, but it was the first time in years that I had actually been honest with what I truly wanted in my life. And I I was willing to ask the question. I was willing to be honest and I was willing to take the next step. So I think that was the first time where I realized I haven't been honest with myself for a really long time. Now's my opportunity. And it was everything after that where I realized, oh no, I really don't know who I am. I really don't like this person that I am. I'm not happy and I haven't been happy for a very long time. And it was almost like this big conglomeration of all of these realizations all at once with that first step of allowing myself to open up and be honest with what I truly wanted in life. So when you disclose that information with your husband, ex-husband, how was his reaction? You know, we had kind of been back and forth with should we get divorced or shouldn't we? And neither of us really would take the plunge, really would answer the question honestly. And so when I got that answer and I felt that peace, I went to him and I just said, I want a divorce and I really think this is the best decision for me. And I know it's going to be a struggle for you. I know it's going to be a struggle for me. And I also know it's going to be a struggle for our children. I mean, I wasn't trying to pretend like it wasn't going to be hard. Um, But I did say to him, I really feel like there's a way that we can have a divorce that doesn't look like everyone else's. I don't know how we'll do that. I don't know what that will look like even. But I don't want 
our divorce to be like everyone else's that you see in the media and on TV and how everyone is so, there's so much animosity and hate. And he was open to it. And he, you know, I think he was sad, but I think he also had the same realization that I had that this was the best step forward. So for us, it was the right decision. And I just happened to be the one in the relationship who was willing to take that step and move forward with some honesty between the two of us. Well, thank you so much. And um, I myself divorced, got married twice and then divorced twice. And what people don't realize is divorce is such a big life decision for mm. same as getting married but more so i would say divorce is a lot more involved not mm. just emotionally but you know legally and time energy and then you know a different situations obviously so I know a lot of people get divorced. I would say I've heard like 60% divorce rate in America, sadly. But I realized that when I was talking to people, uh, when I was getting first divorced, um, a lot of people that I had no idea that they were also divorced, I had, I had no idea. I, I found more and more about like the people starting to tell me their stories so did you feel when you decided to divorce a tremendous amount of maybe pressure depression anxiety and maybe social pressure family pressure all that stuff yeah especially in Utah with this religious background I had I had left the church years ago 15 16 years ago but my whole family is still a part of this church. And not that people in the church don't get divorced. It does happen. It's just not very common. And it is definitely looked down upon. And whether it's overt or not, it could be, you know, people are doing it subconsciously. But I did definitely feel that pressure of judgment from the community that I live in, the neighborhood that I live in from not so much my family. My family was actually very supportive, thankfully. Um, of course they were sad. I mean, we had been together for 20 years. Of course there was that sadness and you know disappointment of the end of our relationship, our marriage, but they were supportive. But in my own head, I had this story of being kind of the black sheep of my family that I had told myself because I was the only person in my family. I am the only person in my family who has kind of stepped away from the religion. And then I'm the only person in my family who has gotten a divorce. And so I definitely have this stigma in my head anyway, of this story that I was telling myself that I'm not living up to the expectations of my parents. I'm not living up to the expectations of my family. I'm not even living up to the expectations of this community and the society that I live in, in this state. And so there was some shame there for sure. There was, but I, and there was some judgment, but I feel like the judgment was coming more from myself rather than 
it was coming from the people outside of me. Now, of course, for sure, they're, they probably were judging me and they just weren't saying it outright to me, but I was judging me more and thinking, you know, second guessing myself, is this the right decision? Maybe it's wrong. Maybe, maybe I didn't feel peaceful. Maybe I made that up, you know, questioning, is this the right thing for me? And then of course, when we told our kids also, there was some of that because it's, it's hard on kids when you, you know, separate this marriage and it's what they've always known. And then they have to start living in two different homes and going back and forth and spending only some time with mom and some time with dad. And so of course there was that guilt as well. And that shame that I felt of maybe this was the wrong decision. Maybe I shouldn't have chosen this. Maybe I shouldn't have decided to move forward in this way. Um, obviously looking back, I changed my tune and I know it was the right decision, but for sure in those moments there, there, there was that shame and that guilt that came from myself and, and the pressure of the society that I live in. Well, Karen, thank you so much for sharing that. And again, um, it is a lot of, um, stigma around the perfect marriage and being a woman, devotion to a husband, and more so in Japan, like we have this big, big social pressure that women are not worthy if they are not married. And then, you know, mm. they are leftover birthday cake or no leftover Christmas cake if you're not married after 25. Or like when I was growing up, I heard that kind of phrases and stuff. So, Korea yeah. never first for women and like say my aunt wasn't allowed to go to high school even and then she was forced to go to cooking class or kimono making class and like no my I don't know what kind of education my grandmother had but I remember her like you know sweeping the floor every day and then serving men and then just you know I've seen that not in America on uh, in Japan also only but you know a lot of middle eastern countries and african countries yeah. um you know some of the indian friends that i met like similar culture yeah and um in america i would say a lot more um liberal but you know in your situation sounded like it was more conservative and yeah more of you can't do this, you can't do this, and you are not worthy if you are not on these certain expectations type yeah. of stuff. Yeah, and it it never was like an outright thing where, you know, the, the you're being taught in your Sunday school class, you can't have a job or you can't go to school. They're never saying that outright, but because so much emphasis is put on the family and the hierarchical place of the family. Like we have the patriarch who's the husband and he's kind of the leader of the family. And then you have the matriarch, which is the mother. And the mother of course is in charge of the children because that's where her place is, is to be at the, in the home. And so no one ever told me, don't go get a job. Don't go to school. And I, I actually did get my degree, but I got my degree in history with the plan of never using it, I knew in my head 
Like I would tell people this, oh, I'm going to school to get my degree in history, but I'm not going to use it. I'm just going to be home with the kids. Like I knew that was the plan the whole time. It wasn't like something that was a secret to me or to anyone around me, you know? And so there wasn't an outright saying, if you can't do this, you can't do that. But it it is an underlying theme in this, you know, in this cultural society of the woman's places in the home, being a mother should be enough for you. And again, I don't want to say that it's not because for some women it is enough, but for me, it wasn't. And I did want more. I just didn't realize that until much later that I did want more than just the title of mother. I think being a mother is amazing. I love my kids more than anything, you know, but I also know that I have wants and desires and I want to hit goals and, you know, add value to the world in a different way. And I didn't realize that until I went through my divorce and recognized that I also had a choice and I could choose something else for myself. And 19 is a very young age. I remember like one of my friends in Japan before I came to America that she got married young like you. And I, ha- I remember vividly the conversation that we had because I was coming to America to study abroad where she was already raising her first child. Mm-hmm. And I remember like her not like mean way, but kind of criticizing me, like, what is your priority? And like, my priority is my husband and my child. And then I was like everywhere. And then obviously I came to America. So like, I never really was able to answer that question. And to me, like, I had my first son when I was 34, and then my daughter at 40. And by then, I've done probably one of the coolest things that I've never dreamed of doing, like touring all over the America with superstars, um, started a nonprofit, like went to the best music college in the world, and really competed with these world-class musicians really pushed my limit as a musician and then those are experiences that I got to do without having to worry about my children and when I did become a mom I was kind of satisfied with what I've accomplished or what I did sped the wing I would say (laughs) and I think 19 is really young to Um, have that responsibility and not fully be able to discover your life. And I'm not criticizing the young marriage and I think it's a beauty to it because when you are at your age, your kids are grown. Now you have more time, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You don't have to really worry about them now. Yeah. So, you know, there's definitely pros and cons, but I really appreciate your struggle and then sharing your true emotion and then uh, realization. Yeah. Let's actually switch to um, my second question, which is the tools that you use to overcome these challenges and adversity. So this is my favorite part of the podcast where 
um, when I started this podcast, I kind of had no idea where it would take us. But more and more, I do the interview. Every guest who had been to our show um, from all over the world, um, they definitely wrote so many great techniques and unique tools that they use to overcome rather than just people who had no idea what it's what it's like to struggle. Um, and then they said, oh, just go get therapists where the therapist has like two, three years wait list and stuff. So yeah. what are the tools that you use that worked the best for you? Yeah. So the very first thing that I remember implementing for me was after I asked for the divorce and we were in the separation process, I realized that I really didn't like myself. I there, I just couldn't think of anything about me that I liked. You know, I would look in the mirror and the only thing that would come into my head was criticism and hateful words. And I just had this mean girl that was nonstop telling me what a terrible human being I was, you know. And I remember being in my bathroom one morning and I have read self-help books throughout the years. And so I had a basis of understanding what self-help was and that it could influence my life in a, in a nice way if I would open up to it. And I remember just thinking, if you want to change how you feel about yourself, you need to start being kind. You need to start saying nice things. And even if it's just for a few moments a day. And so I promised myself that morning that I was going to tell myself five things that I liked about me. And the only rule was that I had to believe them. They had to be true things. And so I just started, I just said them out loud and I was like, okay, I like my curly hair. I think I have a nice smile. Um, I'm a good mom. I, and I think I had two more, I can't remember off the top of my head because this was years ago, but I had two more things that I liked about myself and that I believed. And so throughout the day, I just kind of, when that mean girl would come up, I'd kind of go back to those. Okay. But I like my curly hair. I have really pretty curly hair and I really have a nice smile and I'm a good mom. And, you know, I I'm, I'm a good worker or whatever the other two were. And I promised myself that I would do that every day. So I did it the next day. I did it. And I said the same five things because I couldn't think of anything else. I couldn't come up with like two more different things or five different things that I liked about myself. But I knew those five things I definitely believed. And I just started doing that. And so about three weeks in is about when I recognized a few more things. And so I kind of would switch them out and say, okay, here's a couple more things that I can add to this list of things that I like about myself. And, you know, I did this for months as we were going through our separation and divorce and the list started to get longer and it started to get much easier for me to recognize things that I liked about myself, things that I really appreciated about me when I would kind of show up for myself and, and trust myself or you know, allow my opinion to be heard. And I started to just recognize more and more and more. And the more I recognized and the more I kind of shouted those out to myself, even though I wasn't, you know, yelling them or screaming them, but I was 
telling them to myself and it started to replace some of this mean, hateful voice that was going on in my head. And it started to make me feel a little bit better about myself. And I started to feel a little more confident in my capabilities and how I was showing up in the world. And I started to take more chances, more risks. I started to kind of step out of my comfort zone and, you know, made some friends and started going out on nights when before I would just stay home because I didn't know what I enjoyed doing. I didn't have friends outside of the home, really. I was mostly just with my kids. And I started doing things that I hadn't really ever allowed myself to do because I was feeling more confident because I was enjoying the person that I was with when before I really didn't enjoy being with me. And so that was the very first step for me was just telling myself those five things and just continuing with that process over and over and over. So self-affirmation and usually I've heard it takes at least 21 days for subconscious to digest Yeah, and the paradigm shift. The self-image and the self-sabotage that I experienced because of the verbal, physical, sexual abuse of my father growing up. And it was the image that was created. And however you do this self-affirmation, I've heard that it's not going to work if you stop, if you don't do consecutive 21 days at least for brain to even recognize or subconscious to erase or rewrite your self-image and i am happy that you recognize the main voice that was coming to you and then be able to shut it off and starting to be kind to yourself yeah i don't know why we do that as a human being but a lot of people do self-beating, self-doubting. And why do you think we do that? And why do you think it takes time for us to rewrite our image of our own bad image? Yeah. Well, I think just naturally as humans, I think it's kind of inherent because we're, our brain is kind of primed to scan for negativity because many, many years ago, you know, ancestors and ancestors ago, anything that was danger was, you know, life or death. And so we were constantly scanning for negative things to look for to protect ourselves. And so as we've evolved, our brain hasn't evolved out of that protective state. And so it's primed to think negatively because we think it's a protective measure for ourselves. We think if we put ourselves down, maybe that will motivate us to change. Or if we put ourselves down, maybe that will somehow protect us in some way, even though it makes no sense. And it doesn't really. It actually just creates more hurt, more pain more negativity for ourselves. And so 
I think that is why, but I, I think it's so amazing that our brains have the capability and the capacity to change and to create new neural pathways where we can replace those mean, hateful thoughts that we have that we're, we've been thinking for so long. And with that repetition and with that time and with that continued, you know, diligence of being kind, your brain naturally will replace those. I don't think we can necessarily get rid of it all ever. You know, I think we'll always have a little bit of that mean girl and you just have to kind of be aware, okay, that's my brain doing what my brain does and telling me, you know, this, this, these mean thoughts. And I think it's a matter of being willing to say, I don't want to go down that road anymore, or I'm just going to kind of like a ticker tape, you know, almost like what you have on this video going across the bottom, you kind of can just watch the mean girl thoughts go across in your head. And you can either follow them and continue with them and continue to create more mean girl thoughts, or after you've been able to replace some of them, you can kind of just watch it go by and go, yep, that's what my brain does. Now, what do I want to think about myself? At least that's what I've been working on doing anyway. And how about how did that um, coaching uh, business came out to help other women through the divorce? And then do you think that is helping you as well? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I, because I was able to create this confidence and this self-love and I continued to build on that, I kept asking myself, now that I'm in this new space, after I've, you know, been divorced, what do I want to do? Like my world is wide open now. What do I want to do with my life? And I, I love helping people. I think for women that is very innate in us is to just, we are givers and nurturers and we want to help. And I enjoy helping people. And because I went through my divorce and I understand the emotions that go along with it. And I understand, you know, the ins and outs of, like you say, you know, the legal stuff and the separation and the handling the kids and all the things that go along with a divorce. Um, I was introduced to life coaching and I thought, why not? Why not be a life coach for women who are going through a divorce? And so I became certified and then just started my practice about three years ago and haven't looked back since. And as far as it helping me, 100%. It First of all, <laughs> being an entrepreneur is no easy task. It is a lot of hard work and diligence and um, really a lot of mind management management because it's hard. You know, there's nobody out there telling you the steps exactly to take for your business. And there's a lot of criticism and there's a lot of things that go into it that are difficult and you have to be willing to work through those things. So, of course... I am getting stronger each day as I continue to grow my business, but being able to work with women who are going through divorce and really teach them how to love themselves again and teach them how to feel confident in who they are and teach them that their divorce does not have to define their life in a terrible negative way. It does not have to mean that they, their life is ruined and that there is so much more outside of the divorce that they can create for themselves and being able to help them figure out what that is that they want and to go after that 
and create the confidence and the love and the emotional stability to be able to do it is so amazing. It brings me so much joy. So I feel like so often I get so much more out of my coaching sessions than my clients do, but I, this job is my dream. And I'm, you know, I'm so happy that I'm in the space where I am today. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And I really think what you said was right. Divorce doesn't identify you. And there is a lot more after that. And then again, it doesn't have to be nasty. And then it can be amicable. And it doesn't have to ruin you. And then it's almost like identity crisis that you have to go through. Like when you get And when I disclose, uh, when when I closed my uh, nonprofit organization, I had this like huge identity crisis because I was a president and founder of the nonprofit that I would say to everybody and I was running that. And it was almost like losing somebody important in my life. And it never like forget about that. And then again, you know, getting the business and helping other people of what you had experienced and then for them to get through that difficult, like, you know, part of their life, lives that makes it much faster and easier and then less of the pain. Um, I think what you're doing with your experience, what you went through, I'm sure your clients appreciate you. Yeah. Yeah, I hope so. I hope that they, I mean, I do love working with my clients and I see their growth and the change that comes over them as we continue through our coaching sessions and as we go through the weeks and weeks that we work together. But it is such a joy of my life to be able to show up in that way. And whether or not I continue doing this for the rest of my life, I have no idea. But I know right now, this is the exact space that I am supposed to be in. Because it brings me so much joy to, you know, watch myself grow and change, but also to watch the growth and change that is happening to women who work with me or women who listen to my podcast or any of the ways that they are you know, um, exposed to the things that I'm putting out in the world because of the things that I have gone through and the things that I've been able to learn because of this adversity that I've come across. It's an amazing thing. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. So my last question is a gift that came from the adversity. So what would you say a gift that came from the adversity? Yeah, I would say the biggest gift that I have been given is this feeling and recognition of how important kindness to ourselves is. I don't think that I ever realized that that was something that we needed as human beings to do. And I think kindness is different than love. Kindness is different than self-esteem and confidence and all of those different things, because we all know how to be kind to other people. And sometimes 
when we are trying to build a relationship with ourselves, it's feeling self-love or feeling love for ourselves or feeling confident feels very far away. It feels very foreign and hard to create, but we all understand what it means to be kind to someone. And I don't think that I realized the impact that that would make on my life and how it completely transformed the direction that I've gone in. And, and I see it with my clients as well. When I teach them like exquisite kindness to themselves, it's like their eyes are opened for the first time of like, I'm worthy to be kind to me. I am worthy to show compassion to myself and to love me in a way that maybe I haven't ever been able to do before. And I think it's much easier when you, when you teach someone, show yourself some kindness today. How can you do that today? That has been such a gift for me because when I can remember, like if I'm having a hard day or, you know, that mean girl pops back in because, you know, we're never going to get fully rid of it. Um, when I can just remind myself, can you show up with some kindness for yourself today? How can you do that today? My whole day will change. My whole outlook will change. And so that I think is the biggest gift of just recognizing how important that kindness for ourself is. And then being able to share that with the world and teach other women, like you're worthy of being kind to you. You're valuable. How can you show up with kindness today for you? That is a very important lesson and a gift. And then I'm sorry that you went through the hardship, but I'm very happy that um, at the end of the day that you discover something that no one can take it away from. Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to share one thing that I've been modeling since I was 17 in Tokyo. And I've done like, fashion magazine, fashion shows, like, you know, movies and everything. But then when people say, like, oh, you look stunning, oh, you look beautiful, like, inside of me, like, never really accepted because I wasn't kind enough or I wasn't, like, really um, admitting my worth um, because of my abuse from the childhood and then brainwashed that I was exposed to early on. And admitting that and moving forward and being kind to myself, it's okay, you know, just, that is a huge discovery. And yeah. a lot of us don't realize the power of it and don't realize that so many people, men and women, like any genders, like we just suffer. And you, you're right about maybe scanning like from the ancient time of the dangers and stuff. But at the same time, if you can realize that early on in your life, mm -hmm. I think a lot of people would live more happier and you know, with less of pressure. Um, so do you feel really good about yourself right now? I do. I 
love myself more now than I ever remember from any time in my past. And I have more compassion for myself now when I make mistakes and when I don't show up as like the person that I know I can be or that I kind of want to aspire to be. But I don't beat myself up in those moments like I used to because I recognize that that kindness will go so much farther for me and will help me move into those moments of being the person that I want to be and move into those moments of like recognizing, okay, I made that mistake. How can I show up differently next time? And so, yes, absolutely. I am happier and more content with this person that I am now than I've ever been in my whole life. And it feels amazing. And I love me and for more people to be able to find that and to recognize that man, the world would be just an amazing place. You know, the more people who can step into that knowledge for themselves as well. I think a lot of arguments and fight and then war and all that stuff would somehow decrease if mm. they start to be kind to themselves. Yeah. And being able to recognize that there's no need to attack somebody with your insecurity because like truthfully nothing can replace your self-love like people just think being loved by somebody else can help you but even in a perfect marriage even somebody is so loving and you have a ton of money and fans if you are not kind and if you don't self-love everything would look very different. And then you just sabotage everything because you can't accept yeah. it. You don't realize yeah. it. Even if, you so have, right. even if you have a little thing, I'm a single mom of two. I don't have much, but I look at it. I'm starting to learn about self-love and self-care and then kindness to myself, like you said. And a part of it is really realizing that the void and the violation and adversity that we endure in our lives we tend to like seek for an attention from other people but don't realize that won't matter if you are not kind to yourself or if you're not accepting yourself as who you are yeah. Yeah. It's like we have, I like to explain it like we have this void inside of us that when we go to outside sources, like, you know, your husband or your boyfriend or your kids or friends or your job or whatever, to try and fill that void up with validation and you're good enough and you're doing it and you've got this but you haven't been able to create that for yourself and you haven't been able to step into that belief about it for you. You could get as many validating, you know, words coming at you. And like you say, if you don't have that belief in your worth and if you aren't being kind to yourself and being open to accepting that from yourself, 
you'll never be able to accept it from other people. You'll always find faults in it. You'll always continually come up with, yeah, but there's this part of me that's not good enough, or there's that part of me that did this thing wrong. And, and so it really does have to come from the inside and be built this foundation of kindness and love and acceptance of who you are. Well, Karen, I really appreciate this conversation and then deep diving into your adversity, but the tools and then the gift that came from it. And I really appreciate your honesty and then being brave and being vulnerable and true to your story and yourself. And I really wish you continue to love yourself and then help other people and then help other people realize that you know, they have a lot more to give to themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Jury. It has been an amazing conversation. I appreciate you being so open and willing to have me come on and tell my story and ask all these questions and really dig into, you know, the parts of me that make me who I am today. And I really appreciate that. Thank you for being part of a gift from adversity and thank you again to everyone for listening and caring again i appreciate you and looking forward to connecting with you more and for our audience we have more guests coming in and i hope this podcast is helping somebody out there and help discover themselves and self-love and have a better life and have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you very much.